As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham, the show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. Coming up today, defeating Charlotte in the second game of the US Tour. Conor Gallagher is the new Pat Nevin. How do you Cali do as Koulibaly checks in? We ponder who's staying and who's going and do a quiz. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is straight out of Cobham. Hello again, listener. It's Matt Davis-Adams here, President of Business for this here podcast. I'm joined today by the Athletics' Dominic Fifield, the, the Chief Exec of Copy, I like to think of you as. <laughs> I've been cool worse. <laughs> also with us today, the former Chelsea Academy player, Sam Parkin, most likely to do a Sam Kerr and get on the cover of FIFA, I'd say. How are you doing, Sam? I'm very good. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Dom. Um, that almost sounded genuine. Um, listen, we're recording the pod on Thursday morning. It is, what, half past ten. It means that Sam is one tired former professional footballer. He was up to the wee small hours watching Chelsea in America. He'll tell us all about that next. Gallagher, para manter tudo empatado, para bater o terceiro pênalti para o Chelsea. O goleirão está avisando o canto ali, ó. Tentou cavar e se deu mal, Gallagher! Foi enganado pelo goleirão. O goleirão sinalizou o cantinho direito. Aí o Gallagher pensou, tá bom, vou no meio. Só que o goleiro não foi onde ele prometeu. E deu nisso aí, ó. So, a nominal defeat for Chelsea in game two of the three-day US tour. Then the Blues drawing one all with Charlotte after an injury time penalty for the MLS side cancelled out Christian Pulisic's homecoming goal. Charlotte then won 5-3 on penalties after Conor Gallagher, uh, well, he didn't take a very good one. Let's put it mildly. Sam, overall impressions of the game? You must have been delighted with that storm delay to start with. <laughs> it was quite comical because, as you know, Matt, I'm a veteran of MLS. So uh, 12.30 kickoff, that means nothing to me. So to see the production staff, you know, very relaxed, you know, getting a bit of takeaway, getting the deliveries. Oh, there's a bit of the delay. I'm like, we are, we could be in for the long haul here, chaps. <laughs> um, so I was very smug at that stage. And for it to go to penalties as well was just, just genius. Um, Jason Cundy stayed up and watched this for pleasure, for leisure, because he texted me on the, uh, the final whistle on the the end of the penalty shootout to to say how much he felt for me. So Jason was <laughs> was watching bizarrely. Um, I don't know. Just it's pre season. Two different elevens. Fitness wise, looked really good. I, I thought same old problem. Maybe not 
taken advantage of the uh, overall control of the game. There was a Batshuayi chance at 1-0, which probably puts the game to bed. Uh, he spurned that opportunity. And the second half, a lot more disjointed in comparison. Uh, I thought when I was asked at halftime, who's the standout players, who's doing the business, kind of Kovacic and Jorginho, you know, dominating proceedings, stroking the ball about the quartet between those that duo and, and Ziyech and Pulisic was was really, really good in the first half, created a number of chances, but just couldn't capitalise uh, enough on their on their um, domination. So yeah, it's it was a good game because it was really competitive and I thought the because they're a new franchise that really helped. They desperately wanted to win the game. They were vociferous, there were some challenges going in. So in that regard, I'm sure Thomas Tuchel got loads out of the game. Tell you what, you can see your experience as an MLS commentator there, a new franchise rather than a new <laughs> team. Um, love that. We're going to talk later, Dom, about how it's all felt a bit serene in comparison to other pre-seasons this time around. Wonder if maybe that changed after this game. Uh, here's Thomas Tuchel, apparently a pretty spiky press conference, uh, asked about his team's performance. He said, in the second half, it took us about half an hour to show some quality and that was maybe for 10 minutes. So not good at all, not offensively, not structure-wise, not in effort or the hunger to be the dominant team. Um, you think he's got a genuine gripe or is that just a manager trying to give his players a kick up the bum after a, a few nights partying in Las Vegas and generally enjoying what America has to offer? I guess he has to get into a mindset for the season quite early on and the standards that he will he will want them to be playing at are fairly exacting. So getting them ready for that, if he senses they're being slack um, and and disjointed, which I, you know, I have have a certain amount of sympathy for them because they're they're obviously they're coming against, up against teams, Club America, Charlotte, who are who are well into their seasons, uh, who are fitter than them, who have been used to playing together, and, and Chelsea are, are picking as as Sam says, they're picking new teams every half. I would imagine that a level of disjointedness is inevitable. The other thing that I didn't quite I couldn't quite work out was he he seemed to be most upset with the second half performance against Charlotte. And yet he singled out Raheem Sterling and the, maybe even the combinations with Chilwell, etc. And, and Kai Havertz as, as moments of promise. Well, that only happened in the second half. So it's slightly odd, but I guess, I guess it's just him making the players aware that, that he'll only accept the best and, and he'll only accept properly high standards. And if, if he feels as if they're slacking in any regard and there's a lack of rhythm to their play and the, and the intensity isn't there, then he'll remind them. So 10 changes at halftime, only Abouab Mendy stayed on. Um, can you give us a lowdown on, on Raheem Sterling then, Sam? Where did he play? How did he play? Well, he played slightly left um, of, of the front three, Mason Mount on, on the right, um, flanking Kai Havertz, who played the, the central number nine role. I was really encouraged. He, he made two or three really good bursts forward, um, was brought down just outside the box after one for a forward um, kind of created an opportunity for him for himself down the left-hand side. Anton Walks, um, former Tottenham defender, just applied a little bit of pressure just as he was getting his strike away. But I thought he showed, you know, what he's going to bring, which is, I think, running beyond that that striker if he's playing one of the wider positions or playing as a number 10. And it, it definitely had a positive effect in that last 10, 20 minutes that Thomas Tuchel alluded to. The first kind of portion of the the second half, I think because Jorginho and Kovacic weren't out there, you know, trying to replicate that smoothness, uh, that control with Ampadu and Gallagher, 
is going to be difficult. They're different types of players. As much as I rate both of them, is Gallagher going to have the, I don't know, is he going to have the tactical acumen to play in that too? Or is he going to be better, you know, if it's a different shape at times and he can be a bit more free-spirited? That That's where I felt the game kind of swung. But in terms of what Sterling produced, yeah, I'd be I'd be really encouraged for, for you know the first forty five minutes with a with a new group. That's good to hear. So you mentioned Gallagher and Ampadu there. The, the other academy graduate who's attracting a, a lot of attention this summer is Levi Colwill. He played the the second half here. Almost feel like he he was almost on a hiding to nothing in some ways because there's been so much talk about him. It was almost quite a lot of pressure on this performance for him. Maybe how did he do? I mean, it's difficult to remember him being involved in too much, to, to be honest. There was one mistimed challenge, you know, the one error that I can think of. Other than that, they weren't put under too much pressure. It was a bit bitty, bit disjointed, the the, the second half. Um, and, you know, it kind of, the narrative for the home side was this young kid coming on and, and winning the penalty. Uh, Romero, I think 17. I mean, he looked about 12. So he literally stepped onto <laughs> the pitch, made this slaloming run, Across the uh, across the eighteen yard box, and Trevor Chalaban unfortunately handled his kind of cross shot. So, no, I can't remember Levi Colwell being put under too much pressure defensively on the ball. We know he's calm and assured, and he linked up well with Ben Chilwell on occasions down the the left hand side. But yeah, not not tested really defensively. Dom, I'll ask you the same question I've been asking for about four or five pre seasons. Why are the likes of Mishy Bachwai and Kennedy <laughs> featuring in these games? It's a bit of a mystery to me, and I, and I know that the guys who are on the trip did ask Thomas Tuchel post match. You know, why is it that Harvey Vale, Tino Andrian, and and uh, Gilmore are, are going off to the, the, the development squad, and you know Ross Barkley, and although he was hamstrung last night, um, and 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 the likes of Batshuayi, who when he raced three on that for that one on one. He just didn't look as if he was going to score. I'm sorry, he just didn't look. And that, that used to be his forte, his finishing. I, I don't know the answer to it. I, I don't know, unless unless it's putting them in the shop window in some way, which, to be honest, I, I, we use this, that excuse every summer and the best they ever get out of it is a low move and that's usually just batch away. I, I, don't, I don't see the logic to it at all, personally. Um, but they, I guess they are senior players. Um, they're, they're commanding massive wages. Um, I suppose. I mean, the, what the, Tuchel suggested that he, he knew what Vale, Andrin, and Gilmore offered him. Well, surely he knows what Bashway and and Barkley offer him as well. Um, there's a there's a sort of lack of logic there, and you can probably chuck Kennedy into that as well, to be honest. Um, but. You know, you know I, 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 the only thing would be getting them in the shop window so that people can see that they're available. They're still, they're still players. They're still senior players, and maybe a club will come come in for them before the closure of the window because there isn't any other logic to it at all. Maybe Sam, I'm really reaching here, but but maybe there's been some sort of conversation with the owners and Thomas Tuchel saying, "Hey, do we really need to strengthen in these positions? We've got Kennedy, we've got Batshuayi, we've got Barkley, all kind of senior pros, couple of them internationals. Maybe just a point of saying, okay, you want to look at them? Here they are. Look, they're not good enough. <laughs> that's a that's a big clutch. That's a reach for a Thursday morning, Matt. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think so. I think you know the. Um, uh, the, the the areas that are quite sparse in the squad are quite obvious, and I th- I'm sure they they want to, you know, reinforce those those positions. Um, you know, again, the centre of 
midfield. We, we know last year we spoke about it so often. Um, that's going to be interesting who makes up that kind of four um, defensively and, and going forward. You know, it, it must be thinking that this is a a bit of a risk to go into the season with the firepower that they, they they've currently got in their in their ranks. So I'm sure if there's a deal to be done there, they'll, they'll strengthen in all in all positions. And I think the aforementioned players have probably had an, enough chances. You know, that said, I'm a former striker and watching that last night, I think if Batshuayi gets his goal, I think, oh, he's linked the play quite well. He's got some shots off in the first half. He's done okay. He's occupied the centre-halves. But we know that physically he's not going to be Thomas Tuchel's cup of tea, I think, to, to lead the line because he doesn't have that dynamism without the ball. He doesn't harry probably in the same manner that, you know, um, Kai Havertz even does so yeah I think obviously it looks like they'll probably move on or, or go for another loan and um, we'll wait and see to, uh, if they can strengthen in, the, in those positions because there's definitely some some work to be done as exciting as it is because you look at the, the work they've done already I look at that front three last night and I think of the with Mount Havertz and, and Sterling I think of the different permutations you know if they went to different formations Koulibaly coming in maybe alongside a another Chilwell and, and James, that's really exciting for me. I kind of had my 11 in my head when I turned up there last night who I'd like to see take to the field. I'll keep it secret for now, but I think it's a really exciting 11 there. You know, with one or two additions, we could be could be talking about a much better points total than last year. I'm, I'm confident of that, but, you know, the next few weeks are going to be pivotal in, in, in finding out exactly how strong they're going to be. Yeah, we're going to talk more transfers later. Uh, some injury absentees from this Charlotte game, by the way. Cesar Azpilicueta uh, had a collision with Edouard Mendy in training, apparently, so he missed out with a knock. Kepa uh, had what was described as pain. Uh, I've put transfer question mark in brackets there. Uh, and Barkley, as Dom mentioned, and Timo Werner hamstring problems kept them out. Uh, so that Charlotte match followed the weekend win against Club America. 2-1 the score in that one, thanks to goals from Werner and man of the match Mason Mount. One game left to go for the Blues in the States is against Arsenal. 1am kickoff UK time for that. Uh, that is Sunday morning. Watch it with me on Chelsea's online platforms if you like. Next today, we're going to go deeper on preseason. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Now that our friend Simon Johnson pulled the plum drawer of preseason tour coverage, he's been with Chelsea in America, back in Blighty now, but he didn't leave without sending a Vegas voice note poolside too. Uh, let's enjoy that together now, shall we? Greetings from Las Vegas. It's the day after Chelsea's first preseason game, the uh, 1-2-1 against Club America. 
Unfortunately, I was so excited about the game, I totally forgot to do a voice note at the final whistle. So the backdrop, instead of crowd noise, um, you might sort of detect a bit of music. Um, I'm sitting um, in the pool area of my hotel, but um, don't get the wrong impression. This has not been a vacation for me, um, but don't get the violin out either. But I'm sitting outside actually just to get um, prepared for the English heat wave because uh, sadly, this is the end of the road in terms of my pre-season adventures. I, I actually fly back Monday night. Chelsea, of course, have got a couple of games still to play out here in, in Charlotte and in Orlando. Of course, everyone will be looking forward to the game in Orlando because that's against Arsenal. But I just thought I'd leave a voice note anyway just to sort of sum up my, my sort of take of the sort of good week that I've spent with the team, around the team. And I'm actually doing a piece on this, um, which by the time we record, um, may be on the athletic site anyway. But it's been a real contrast. I've covered quite a few pre-season tours with Chelsea over the years. And this one has to be one of sort of the most upbeat, relaxed, positive vibes which may sound strange to say, um, given the success that Chelsea have experienced before in previous years, but there's always been sort of some kind of cloud, um, it seems, over pre-season in, in, in prior years. Whereas this one, it's all about the future, it's looking ahead. And the new owners have been sort of very much in the picture. You're really picking up on this vibe that they mean business, and of course, Whilst I've been out here, two new signings have, have flown out here in Raheem Sterling and Koulibaly and, and it won't end there, you know, the, these are ambitious guys. It really feels like um, about winning now though and, and this is sort of where I might touch my Levi Colwell piece which has already generated a lot of um, not, not so positive comments on the site but problem with uh, a winning now kind of culture or what, I wouldn't say problem but undoubtedly one of the negatives, um, the few negatives of buying players such as Koulibaly is the knock-on effect it has for the youngsters because they sort of think well Chelsea it's going to be a while before I'm going to get regular game time and, and if Chelsea go out and buy the one or two more centre-backs I've been told that that Cole will, will look to leave and I think that's an issue that um, will be surrounding other youngsters as well like, like Broya um, be interested to see what happens with Billy Gilmore and so on. What's my take on the Club America game? Well, this is where there's some positive news about a youngster in, in Conor Gallagher. Tuchel was always wanting to involve him in this pre-season, in his squad this season. But I think his performance in the first half was the standout performance from anyone in a Chelsea shirt. Not saying a lot, but he looked incredibly comfortable. It looked like he'd been in a Chelsea shirt for a number of years. Uh, he dictated play. He took a grip of the game a lot more than Ross Barkley did, who was next to him. And he was pinging passes left, right and centre. Not everything came off, but he looked good. And, and Tuchel spoke about that afterwards. Um, and clearly, he's delighted that he's with them. So there is room for youth. But it's really, really difficult and you've got to go and do what Gallagher has done and go out on loan and have a really good loan. Are the other youngsters prepared to go out on loan though? That's the question. Before I sort of ramble on too long, because it's a bit like the, <laughs> the first voice note I left, 
It seems like a long time ago back in LA. I do think that, uh, you know, Chelsea fans should be feeling pretty positive. Um, it's going to take time because the, the squad isn't settled yet because the, there could be up to four more players signed. But it's a really good starting point. The, the camp out here, the players have been loving it. Tuchel has been giving the players some time off here and there just so that they do get a taste of America. They've been given a fantastic reception uh, by the locals. Everyone's buzzing to see. There were loads of Chelsea fans at the, uh, the stadium in Las Vegas last night. So all in all, a very positive trip. Um, I hope it continues. I'm sure it will uh, in, the, in the final two games out in America. Then, of course, they've got another friendly against Udinese. But um, so far, so good. And it would be a, uh, wrong of me not to, uh, not to clarify that, no, despite playing the first half against Club America, I will not be doing a Kennedy piece, not yet. I'm waiting for him to score a hat-trick against Everton on the opening day of the season. All right, this is Simon Johnson signing off from Las Vegas and uh, getting ready for the heat wave that's back in the, back in the uh, UK. One thing that I think was uh, particularly interesting from that, Dom, was the fact that Todd Bowley's been so much more involved with the squad and the coaches than, than Roman Abramovich so far. <laughs> Why do you think that is? is? Is that something that he's maybe drawing on from, from his time working in other sports and, and thinking that people like it? Is that just him wanting to get to know a bit more about his new acquisition? And, and do you think that's a good or a bad thing? I suspect it's him wanting to, to find out about the, the players he's inherited and the and the investment that he's made. Um, going back very early on, the, the, Simon mentions one of the early trips that he did with, with Chelsea to, to the States. I think Roman Abramovich was quite visible on those trips as well, quite soon after his takeover. I mean, I, I, the first one I did was 2007, which was just before, was about two months before Jose Mourinho was sacked first time round. And Abramovich was incredibly visible on that trip. I mean, he was... He was on the. He was pitch side at training. There was even a, a press game, an infamous press game between us and the uh, the coaching staff. And he he was there then with his then girlfriend watching watching the the match match in inverted commas. So I, I think I don't think it's unusual that Todd Bowley would want to want to be there. I mean, I think I think he is aware of the the upheaval and uncertainty of the last few months and and will want to just reassure everybody that that things are moving in the right direction that that this ownership which is a a leap into the unknown for for Chelsea given they've had 19 years with with one owner um that, that you know that things are going to be focused and progressive and and uh, Chelsea will continue to compete at the top of the the, the division and and the top of European honours so I don't think it's surprising at all that he would then address the squad regularly that he would be seen to be in dialogue with Thomas Tuchel regularly we all know that the you know the importance that they've thrust upon Tuchel in terms of recruitment this summer and giving him a chance to shape the, the squad into something that he is happy with so I, I quite like the hands-on approach I mean he and Begdadi have been have been at the games they've been it's, it's helped they've been in the States. Um, I love the way earlier that you said that, that Pulisic was was playing at his home, pretty much a home fixture, even though he's from 500 miles away. It was like saying, yeah, you know, northern, northern coast of Scotland, that's pretty, pretty local. Um, but, but that's what it's like. And, you know, they, this, this is them showcasing their new investment to, to the US. 
Um, so it's important for them to be visible as well. So I, I, no, no qualms on that front. I think it's at the moment it's needed. I think I think Todd Bowley has to be visible. Do you like that as a player, Sam, or, or is there maybe a slight issue with chain of command there? If, if, you, if you're tight with the chairman, are you sort of bypassing the manager with any issues that you've got and going straight to him? Would that be a concern for Thomas Tuchel? You want in a Willie Carson story here, Matt? I can see it in your eyes. Um, <laughs> it was my, cha- my chairman at Swindon, Dom. Mag- magnificent. You'd score a hat-trick and he'd come in and, and absolutely blitz you about the one you missed in the 89th minute, <laughs> which could have given you four. Um, yeah, you... I think the game has changed, Matt, because you're seeing you're seeing players take up high profile roles on you know board level and, and such like, which has become quite on vogue in the last few years. Uh, at my level, going back in, in time, you're always a bit sceptical if players have a relationship with the with the chairman, um, generally the captain, or you know one of the players who played every week. Um, but no, I think you know transparency is fantastic, especially at a, a top club and. Yeah, he's, he's setting the tone, isn't he, I think, um, in the first few weeks in, in, in his role. So no, I haven't got a problem with that at all. And um, hopefully the players will get invited to some nice events as I used to get invited to Cheltenham in Willie's box. Uh, I was very jealous of uh, our Chelsea TV colleague Lee Parker, Sam, posting his pictures with uh, Snoop Dogg in, a, in an LA nightclub the other week. Um, still nice to be in Britain in the middle of the heatwave. And he nearly got struck by a stray Hakim Ziyech strike, I think, in the first game, which I enjoyed as well. Yeah, that was good fun. Uh, right, OK. Don mentioned Simon's pre-season piece there. Well worth checking that out. Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber. Takes a look back at some of the uh, more memorable recent pre-season tours, shall we say. Uh, do give that a read. Uh, let's move on to some transfer talk then. The Blues have added Raheem Sterling and Khalidou Koulibaly to their ranks so far this season. We've spoken about Sterling at length. For some more info on Koulibaly, here's James Horncastle speaking on Monday's Totally Football Show. I think that Chelsea gets probably the best defender in Serie A. Um, someone who has won the Defender of the Year award a couple of years ago and can do everything. Uh, you know, when I think of Koulibaly, I think of these kind of swashbuckling runs from, from out of defence, bringing the ball uh, into midfield and beyond. Um, someone who came very close to leading Napoli to to win the league for the first time since since 1990. I think a lot of Napoli fans remember the goal that he scored against Juventus at the Allianz Stadium, which uh, made the Patinope believe that uh, it was going to be their time. Also, you know, classic kind of Italianism, uh, gentle giant. <laughs> um, in in that, you know, he's been an exemplary professional whilst he's been at Napoli. You know, someone who you know Spalletti kind of quite pointedly said is the best player he ever coached. Remember, he coached Francesco Totti, um, kind of fell out with Totti, but someone who would you know go away on international duty with Senegal. Uh, and would come back, not even stop off at home to drop a bag off, go straight to straight to training, straight to the dressing room, find out how everyone was doing, what uh, what they were going to be getting on with, etc. And for that, uh, was was very kind of well liked and respected within the the Napoli dressing room. And uh, and yeah, and now is reunited with 
with Jorginho as well. So you've got a almost the spine of uh, of Sarri's Napoli team just without Sarri, without Mertens, without Insigne. But still, I think it's a it's a great two signing. Them, yeah, two of them. I think it's a great yeah. signing. Um, even though he's yeah, he's what thirty one. Um, but uh, yeah, in terms of a left sided centre back who. Uh, you know, I think it's definitely, you know, in, in a league which is, has become very good at exporting centre-backs, as we'll probably get to, because another high-profile one has left in the last few days. Um, he's, uh, he's an outstanding uh, One thing that really uh, struck me, Dom, uh, about Koulibaly was that his English is better than mine. The interview that he did uh, with the Chelsea website was fantastic. I mean, we, we're hearing James there talk about how he was the best defender in Serie A. That, that, that's quite a billing, but the way that we look at it, it seems that he's cut and dried and ready to go straight into the Chelsea first team. There shouldn't be many integration issues, helped obviously by his relationships with Jorginho and, and Edouard Mendy. There's, there was some concern about the length of contract, but if you look at it at face value, it just looks like a, a really good signing there. I think short term, it's it's an excellent signing. I mean, when you've got a an Antonio Rudiger shaped hole in your team, and you're bringing in somebody with the personality, charisma, and, and ability of of Koulibaly, and then you're you're laughing. I mean, it's 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 absolutely made for Chelsea in that regard. I I, I don't, I, I, I you know, the length of the contract I th- I think is interesting because this is a club that that made its policy of only offering one-year deals to, to players over 30. And it was the thing. I mean, they set the standard on that. And now we've got four-year contracts being offered to 31-year-olds. So, I mean, you know, let's see where we are in three years' time. But I think it's about the circumstances, isn't it? It's about it's about the context of in which the signing's being made. Chelsea have got an awful lot of work to do in reshaping their defence. And if you've got the opportunity to bring in, as as James says, one of the best defenders in Serie A, a player of huge reputation, a player that Chelsea will have scouted so much over the years because they tried to sign him originally back in 2016. They know all about him and they will know that he can he can fit in and he can hit the ground running and he can, he can do a job immediately in the Premier League. So in where Chelsea are at the moment, it's a no-brainer and it's a, it'll be short-term and absolutely brilliant signing. Sammy, you alluded to it earlier that you felt there were some areas Chelsea still need to strengthen. Where in particular do you think they'll be looking to, to fill the gaps between now and September the 1st? I think it, a lot of it depends on you know what happens with, with some of the outgoings. But yeah, definitely the, it, it feels like there's about to be some some more movement in, in the defensive department. And yeah, I think you know at the moment they're a little bit light. I completely agree with everything Dom said there. It was interesting hearing... Koulibaly talk about the, the, the differences between the Italian and the English game. So that's the the one thing he's going to have to adapt to straight away. You know, people being more physical, more direct balls, but because the type of player he is, I'm sure he'll, he'll relish that. And another leader um, with Rudiger going out the door, um, we know how much the fans have endeared themselves to that type of character and I think he's a better footballer than he probably gets credit for as well. You won't play that long in Serie A at the level without being able to handle the ball. So it looks like a brilliant sign on the face of it. But yeah, he's going to need some he's going to need some help back there. I think so. Hopefully they'll get another one over the line defensively. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Broya and and some other some other players who could potentially leave. But I think on the on the back of that last night the. The same problems in converting chances, being clinical at the top end of the pitch, to be too overly reliant on Kai Havertz going into the new season could you know, be a problem. 
Here's a hashtag Kunde update. Uh, it comes from our friend Simon Johnson, and he seems to be fairly confident that this deal might actually get done. Simon says, the same source who told me hashtag CFC were confident about signing Raheem Sterling weeks ago is now saying the same about Jules Kunde. Did joke that it was the case last year too. Um, Sam just mentioned Armando Breuer there, Dom. want to get your take on this. Really weird, I think. Thomas Ducal saying, I don't expect him to leave. This after he came home early from the US tour. Some people say because of an injury and for treatment on. Some people say because he's negotiating with West Ham. Do we have a proper read either way on, on what's happening with Breuer? Well, he was in a protective boot, wasn't he? So he's clearly got some kind of niggle, but it wasn't billed as particularly serious at the time. It's when when, when he went off, uh, I think it was in the training session, it wasn't as if he was on the first plane out for, for treatment. So I suspect that sorting his future is is very much what is happening, albeit that all the Chelsea ownership appear to be in the States. So a bit weird. But um, there's no short of interest in him. Uh, I wonder whether Tuchel's comments were partly just to make suitors aware that they're not going to get him for a snip here. He's going to cost a a fair chunk of money, £30 million plus, I imagine. Um, Which for a player who's who's got one year effectively of regular Premier League football under his belt, but did impress in flashes at at Southampton, I guess they would argue that's the market value for a player of, of talent and potential like him. But no, I, I, I suspect we'll get some clarity on that one in the next couple of weeks. Um, and I mean, my instinct would be that he would leave. Uh, Liam's got a piece up on The Athletic today asking whether Chelsea are right or wrong to sell so many homegrown players. Um, Sam, as I mentioned earlier, there's, there's been a bit of hand-wringing amongst sections of the Chelsea support about the potential exits of, of Broyer and Colwell following the likes of Gurhi and Tamori and, and Livramento. I know that you maybe feel that it might be the right time to sell because, uh, as you pointed out uh, when we chatted the other day, it's not as if Broya had an amazing season at Southampton. Uh, he started well but tailed off a bit. He, he did, yeah. I saw you know him live quite quite often early part, and he was in, incredibly impressive. There's a bit of the Diego Costas about him, isn't there? And the way he can drive with the ball, he can turn you know defence into attack very quickly, which is a, a fantastic asset having that power in the Premier League, but. Yeah, he didn't really impress towards the tail end to the extent where Hassan Hootal wasn't starting him in, in quite a few games. So I'm not entirely sure what went on. And yeah, I'm just not confident that, not that he's not ready because he's done his two years and impressed now and played in big games, but I'm just not confident that the club would put him in regularly at, at the moment. That's that's my hunch. That's what my gut tells me. Levi Colwell possibly could be different because of the way that Chaloba, for example, played his way in during pre-season. I think that central striker, they want probably a bit more experience, um, a bit more of a certainty to go into the side and and get the goal. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be... I'd be more surprised if Colwood was to leave at this juncture than, than Broya because, you know, I think there's still probably question marks about exactly where he's going to get to. Colwell, I'd... Um, yeah, I'd go big that he's going to be a Premier League player comfortably and uh, and probably be a probably be an international in time as well. I'm sure you were covering the game, Sam, for for BBC London, uh, the Southampton Palace Southampton yeah. game in December when, and that was a, an indication of what Broya 
can do. I mean, that, that, that turn and and run, a diagonal run across through Palace's defence and shot into the far corner from about 20 yards. I, I, it took me by surprise at how good he was. And 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 you're right, that, that sort of Diego Costa element to him, where he, he, he really head down, driving, muscular, strong, direct. I thought, wow, well, well, Chelsea have got a proper player here. But, but yeah, maybe the inconsistency just kicked in. Maybe that's just down to youth. Um, I, I mean, the first proper season at that level. Maybe with a few of the few of the young Chelsea loanies, and I count Conor Gallagher in there, they all tailed off a bit towards the end, and maybe that's just the sheer number of games that they're playing and the and the, and the level they're playing at. Um, it caught up with them towards the end of the of the season. Uh, maybe that's a factor, but he's definitely got something. He's definitely got something, and and you know that's that's what West Ham and Southampton and, and Everton are, are seeing and 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 hoping they can exploit. We'll see if this is going to be a, a long-running transfer saga or if it gets wrapped up one way or another soon. There'll be more transfer talk next week. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, congratulations to Millie Bright and Fran Kirby, who both started as England came from behind to beat Spain in the quarterfinals of Euro 2022 after extra time. In Brighton on Wednesday, they got the job done. Bright named player of the match. She was magnificent. England will face either Belgium or Magda Eriksson and Sweden in the semi-final on Tuesday of next week. Uh, Chelsea women, meanwhile, have signed 18-year-old striker Lucy Watson from Sheffield United on a two-year deal. Uh, in terms of the men's academy sides, the Dev squad played their first game of the US Tour on Tuesday. They drew 2-2 with Real Monarchs before losing a penalty shootout. Ben Elliott scored a brilliant individual goal for the Blues. Chelsea numbers as they try to attack up the far side. Mofuenta going to have to cut back. Oh, good skill check there still. And a goal by Chelsea. Good skill check definitely going into my big book of commentary phrases. That game was part of the MLS Next Pro Series Invitational. Chelsea play Toronto in the competition on Sunday. And, as you may have seen, on Monday, Chelsea have appointed a president of business. Tom Glick is his name. Uh, Dom, you know a little bit about him? Well, look, he's a, he's a figure that has um, played a part in English football previously. He he was at Derby County. He was at uh, the City Group, obviously, and and was rated highly enough within that organisation to to take up a role at New York City subsequently after after working in Manchester. Look, I, it's it's almost a CEO type role. It's a very grand title. I, I, I don't think we should be getting. He's, he's not going to be like the Marina Granovskaya figure. Uh, that that is still to be sorted out with the director of football incoming, hopefully before the January transfer window. He's he's more uh, overseeing the sort of commercial and, and and the business side of the club, which I suppose that would mean he's stepping into where Guy Lawrence was working. He obviously. Um, handed in his notice earlier this year and has now uh, left the club as well. So, comes with good pedigree. Somebody that the that the owners may well have known from from their time in the states um, back home. He actually had a role to play in in setting up Charlotte FC, who, who Chelsea played last night. Obviously, so um, he's somebody that is familiar. They're familiar with who knows the scene in England and, and therefore is a good fit for the Chelsea model. Yeah, most recently president of the NFL's Carolina Panthers. All right, it's quiz time. Dom, Sam, answer me these questions three. Uh, Dom, you'll be delighted to know that all of yours are on uh, Kaladu Koulibaly. Uh, so I just assume that you're an expert on him. First one, which English team did Koulibaly play against last season? <laughs> 
I don't even know what competition they would have been in. Uh, I'll say oh, they weren't in Europe last season. Um, Arsenal, that was you were thinking of, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. God, who played? Oh, West Ham United. Incorrect. Sam, can you steal it? Liverpool. Incorrect. It was Leicester City on match day oh. one of the Europa League. Uh, Sam, all your questions are on Conor Gallagher. Would have been much easier oh, for Dom. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> the other way around. Um, how old is Conor Gallagher? Mm. Easy on the face of it, isn't it? But then you. Yeah. Mm. He played in the 17s World Cup, was it? Steve Cooper. Yeah, I think he did. 23. Oh, I could see your mouth forming what looked like a two there, but it changed to a three at the last minute, and he's 22, I'm afraid. So that is incorrect. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Hold on. What about the steel? Uh, yeah, sorry. But you, you know all these questions because they're all about Conor Gallagher. So, um... <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Did you know that, Dom? Well, I, was a, I would have definitely gone... if you. Heard 23, you go 22, don't you? Okay, all right. Well, I might give you half a point, depending on if you need it at the end. But you won't, because you're going to get these next two right. And, Not a chance. Uh, <laughs> Sam's definitely going to get at least one of his next two wrong. Um, Kaladu Koulibaly, the second Senegalese defender to sign for Chelsea. Who was the first? That's very loosely based on Koulibaly, I have to say. Both defenders, both Senegalese. How much tighter do you want it to be? And am I not allowed to include... Oh, God, was was Marcel Desailly not Senegalese? He's a French international, so for the purposes of this, absolutely not. Okay, fine. I'm just checking, obviously, you might... (laughs) Was John Terry Uh, not? No, no, he wasn't. (laughs) Uh, Senegalese defenders for Chelsea... Um, I'll give you a slight clue, soon as I didn't let you steal the last one. Not necessarily a glorious Chelsea career, I think it's fair to say. Oh, yeah, I got it. No, I haven't got his name. We did a game together, didn't we, Matt? He played a minute Quite or two. possibly, yeah. Yeah? yeah. There's one very famous uh, brief cameo appearance yeah, that yeah. he had in I'll give you the t- I'll give you the game. Oh, oh, Pappy. Good old Pappy Gillibodji. Pappy Gillibodji is absolutely to, uh, right. Trying yeah. to uh, interview still. In fact, he's a teammate of a friend of mine over in Turkey. He was a teammate of a friend of mine over in Turkey. Well, I mean, you can have a bur- bonus point if you can tell me so which Turkish team he's playing for. Well, he was at Gaziantep. Still is, according to my research. Well, it certainly was last season. Um, all right. Along with Stephen Coulker, uh, ex-England and current Sierra Leone international. Okay, Stephen I'm giving Coulker. you one and a half points for that, seeing as I didn't Thanks let you much. steal and you got Gaziantep, which is tricky. Walsall away, last minute. Yes. and, and the great, Fell over the ball. The great YouTube video of uh, Papi Gillabodji, thank you, goal skills, highlights, and it's just him coming onto the pitch and then walking <laughs> off again. Hey, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with uh, that bench at the Bank Stadium. <laughs> very, very comfortable. <laughs> Still had your uh, your bum groove in it when Pappy sat on it. I think there's I'm a sure. plaque, mate. I think there's a plaque. Yeah. <laughs> uh, second question on Conor Gallagher, Sam. How many full England caps does Conor Gallagher have? 
No idea, to be frank. I think I should be awarded a point for being here this morning. So I'm just <laughs> going to fly in with three. Can you steal it, Dump? Well, if he says three, it's probably four. Yeah, it's four. Oh, come on. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, Dom, this is your final question. Who is the reigning Senegalese player of the year? What? It should be Mendy, so it probably isn't. Um, Sadio Mane. Uh, Sam, can you steal it? (laughs) (laughs) Mendy. It is Mendy, yes. (laughs) Tremendous. And you're on the board. Okay, so Dom's got one and a half, or oh, two and a half, because you pinched Sam's, didn't you? Uh, Sam, you only got one, so you can't win, but you could at least make it a glorious defeat. And as you point out, you've had five minutes sleep, so this is an impressive performance anyway. Final question, Conor Gallagher related. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, actually, Gallagher came off the bench as England won the 2017 Under-17 World Cup final, guided by the magnificent and godlike Steve Cooper. Uh, <laughs> in the England starting eleven for the final were four players who at the time were Chelsea boys. So not Gallagher, four others. At the time, they were registered with Chelsea. Can you name at least three of them, please? Gerhi? Gerhi is correct. Scored a goal. Lamptey? Mm-mm. Going to give you uh, three more guesses to get the two more players that you need. So many good players, that, and they all play for England. <sighs> something saying Luke McCormick to me. Go. Uh, that something is wrong. Mm. That's disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, should be it should be a gimme for me this just yeah. gone really blank hey, Gallagher not empty um, Tamori uh, Tamori is not correct no am I going to keep going uh, you can if you like, or I could put you out of your misery. Put me out of my misery, honestly. Dom, can you give us any? I'd say Hudson Adoy was he involved? Hudson Adoy is correct. Yeah. A couple more to get. Um. Rian Brewster, ex Chelsea. Oh Phil yeah, I was going to say Brewster. Yeah. Uh, so where Brewster gone by then? Then was he at Liverpool? Yes. Right. Um. No, go on. I, I won't. I won't. I won't take up the listeners' time by just <laughs> trying to remember people. These are tricky. To be fair, George McEachern mm. still at Chelsea, I think, unless he's left this summer. He might have left this summer. And Jonathan Panzo. Mm, I only got that. I think he should have got McEachern. Panzo just got a move this week, didn't he? he from has your joined boys. Coventry from Coventry. Forest on loan for the season. Uh, there you go. I mean, uh, fun might be a stretch, but that that was a quiz. I reckon that's the first time Dom's beaten me. So. It's been coming. It comes with an asterisk, doesn't it? Because of the lack of sleep. But anyway, congratulations. Look at his face. Why, actually, his why face. would it come with an asterisk? <laughs> <laughs> You've asked him questions about people he sees left, right and centre. <laughs> yeah, I've had a stinker there. Uh, well congratulations Dom Um, Dom before we go you've you've written about one of football's first female agents can you tell us a bit more please 
Uh, yeah, Louise Fellows, uh, who took her agency exam 20 years ago, uh, summer of 2002. Uh, I think there were about four female football agents at the time. Um, they're not that many more now. So it's really a, a piece about her experiences over the last 20 years, good and bad. I mean, she's obviously got a lot of enthusiasm and joy for the game still. And uh, her client base, a lot of a lot of young players that, that stick with her um, through thick and thin and for long periods of time, uh, which I think says a lot for how she treats them and what she does for them. But but some pretty disturbing stories in there as well, as unfortunately, predictably, you might expect uh, of a for a, a woman working in a in a male dominated world like uh, professional football. Yeah, it's a really interesting read. Do go and check it out. Other Chelsea stuff up on The Athletic now. Simon has pieces with Ethan Ampadu and Kai Havertz. Uh, Liam's analysed Kaladu Koulibaly, the player, and he's also written the aforementioned piece on selling the kids. And Chelsea adjacent Patrick Boylan's had a chat with Frank Lampard ahead of a key season for him and Everton. It's not started brilliantly. They got smashed 4-0 by Minnesota United on Wednesday and Lampard said afterwards that they might be in a relegation battle. Uh, Good luck with that guys uh, Sam many thanks for joining us after so little sleep are you going to be straight back to bed after this what's the plans for the next few days no, no straight back into action uh, I enjoyed it so much last night New York City FC be into Miami for me Saturday early hours of Sunday morning oh, fantastic rain the delay sec- inevitably <laughs> in the big apple the second biggest game in into Miami's history possibly after Phil Neville said the friendly against Barcelona in which he brought his son and David Beckham's son on was the biggest game <laughs> in their history neither of whom have played a minute in the league as pointed out by the Athletics John Muller uh, Don many thanks for your time today we'll catch up with you again soon to Lucy as well to you to listener thanks for joining us back with you next week bye for now The Athletic <laughs>